Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
song. What a song. Story of my life. Ain't nobody going to break my stride. Ain't nobody going to slow me down. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. We had a phenomenal episode on Tuesday. Everything you could want in a program. Uh, I hope your week is going very well. I hope it's productive. I hope it's going accordingly. Uh, the weekend is approaching, which is always a nice relief and refreshing feeling. So I hope you have some very exciting plans for the weekend. Uh, these last two days, these last 48 hours have been uh, quite, uh, quite the headlines in the news, I'll tell you. One thing after the other, a lot to address tonight, a lot to establish. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my sponsors and audience. You are all incredible. The show just keeps evolving. We're listening to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. Again, that's 25 countries, 70 online platforms. Uh, and we have a lot planned for the future of the Rory Sauter Show. So stay tuned. I will have announcements. Um, I'm in negotiations with various networks. So I want to, you know, keep expanding and keep um, – uh, evolving uh, in this industry. I mean, this is what I was made to do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. I love it. It's a passion. You know, it's a true honor and gift being able to shine my light with all of you, you know, and, and just the fan base we created and, um, you know, just the, the way we mesh and the chemistry of everybody that comes on the show. Um, it's fun. It's a lot of, a lot of fun. I'll tell you. Um, you know, guys, I mean, where do I even start tonight? You know, I, um, I'm just blown away. I'm puzzled. I mean, I, you know, it, it gets to be extremely overwhelming. You know, the, the, this, this drama, this corruption, uh, all these thieves getting away with what they're getting away with. And the media can't tell the truth. And the, the media covering for these, you know, mafia mentality individuals. Um, you know, let's start with some of the small stuff. You know, I, I want to get into that. Um, you know, for example, a couple things I, I just want to touch on. Um, you know, th th this whole narrative by the Democrats of, you know, Let's pursue gun control. Let, you know, let's, let's go after, um, you know, this whole uh, scenario. Wait, guys, hold on one second. Hold on a second. I got to plug in the computer. Hold on. It's, it's 5%. Hold on a second. All right, guys, I'm back. I am back. I am ready. Um, but, yeah, this whole gun control uh, narrative, um, you know, it really is spiraling out of control. And, it, and it's not even going anywhere. I mean, it never really was, but it's just, it's just pushing more and more um, of the left voters away. It, it, you know, I'm not going to say all of them, because there's a lot of these people on the left that are just idiots and don't have a brain and they don't even know what they're talking about. But there's also, you know, Democrats that are like – wow, I mean, you guys are going a little too far, and this, is, this goes beyond political affiliation at this point, uh, especially with the times and the, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, things that are happening in the streets. I mean, this is not something we've ever witnessed. I mean, to this 
sincerity. I mean, there, there are people scared for their lives. And, uh, you know, whether that person is stubborn enough to still vote Democrat, I mean, believe it or not, that there are those people that exist that still vote Democrat, but they want their guns. So it's interesting. It, it's very interesting. And I was just reading today that there are 434 million firearms in the United States. 434 million firearms. The firearm purchases at this point are up, I think. I, I don't know the statistics, but I, I could have swore I, I, wore, I, I read like about 60% uh, just this year alone. So, you know, people are stocking up on ammo. People aren't taking any chances. People are not, you know, uh, you know just going to sit back and watch this massacre go down. And, you know, the Democrats are foolish. You know, they think they're going to confiscate guns. How the hell, first of all, first of all, you're never going to take guns from criminals because criminals don't follow laws. So let's get that off the table. But how are you going to go get 434 million guns? I mean, you know, it's like all these are are political talking points. You know, they're never going to follow through with it. And even if they tried, you know, they would be in a lot of trouble. Um, the, the reaction would not be so pleasant, if you know what I mean. I mean, most Americans, you're going to have to kill that American to get his gun or get her gun. Most people won't give up without a fight. That's, that's how these things work. So, you know, I mean, this is only going to get uglier and uglier uh, if the Democrats keep being idiots with, you know, I mean, find new legislation, find new, you know, things to come up with. I mean, instead of pipe dreams, instead of fantasy land ideology, and you guys, if, you know, Biden's not going to get in there, but let's just say for some hypothetical reason he does, you're going to have Beto, you know, piss boy, he pisses his pants, O'Rourke, uh, soy boy. I mean, this guy's the biggest wimp, lets his wife boss him around. You know, there's that whole narrative. But this guy, this guy is going to take people's guts. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Have you seen what this fool looks like? And he's, he's acting all tough and mighty on TV. Oh, yeah, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to come get you. Yeah, I'm sure you are, you little twerk, you little pipsqueak. I mean, and you're going to talk to people like that in Texas. You know, Beto, um, you're, like, you're like one of those guys. A lot of these Democrats, they're like people you just want to throw in a locker and just, let, just never let them out. Make them scream. Make them whine like little babies. I mean, you know, that's what they are. They're, they're, they remind me of little kids in a grocery store that don't get their own way over not getting the ice cream they want. So they throw a fist and they start pouting and then, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's textbook. It's textbook. They're, they're, they're um, adult children. That's really what they are. But, yeah, guys, I mean, we shouldn't even be talking about gun confiscation with all the, the crime uh, skyrocketing, with everything else people have had to endure with this pandemic. I mean, that should be the last thing. But we all know that the Democrats have an agenda. They have a narrative. They have things that they're fixated on because they want to please those, their special interests. They, you know, that, that's what it's all about here. You know, that's really um, what's going on. They're always on, they're always fixated. Um, there was a report today that um, Governor, well, pretty soon, I hope, uh, Matthew McConaughey may run for governor of Texas at some point. And I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like, absolutely. I mean, you know, his, his wisdom 
his passion, uh, his motivation, his strength, uh, his charisma, uh, he's, he, he can unify people like no other. Um, high IQ, a uh, very Christian man, uh, has told Hollywood to stick it many times. I mean, he's just like, he's just a cool guy to be around. And, and I, you know, I could see him with the way he speaks, with the way he presents himself, with the way he, you know, comes off on various issues, being a phenomenal individual in politics. You know, but if I were him, you know, knowing how genuine, knowing how down to earth he is, I would think twice about getting into this dangerous territory. I mean, because you know what? He may be loved by so many people now, but we all know Trump was loved before. And then look what happened. He went into politics and they all tried to tear his head off. But, and we all know McConaughey is a Republican. I mean, he always has been. He was born and raised Texas boy, uh, best manners, you know, just, just, just the, the whole, the whole, the whole package. But I, I really do think that that's a guy that can bring people together. And, and I think that we all have to be thankful and gracious that Donald J. Trump opened this door for all these outsiders to really pursue a career in politics and, and make a change. You know, we don't want these swamp political rats running the show forever. We want fresh blood. We want fresh faces. That's the reality. You know, and Matthew McConaughey has been involved with you know, in various organizations and, and political things for a while. So it's not like he's just stepping into an arena that he has no, you know, um, uh, recognition with. I mean, this guy, you know, he's been doing a lot of good stuff. Um, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now, and then I'm going to continue some of the other points. But we have a very popular guy, one of my favorite guests of all time, a director of Jihad Watch and best-selling author, Robert Spencer. You've seen this guy everywhere. He, he's on every single news channel. He's written, I mean, more books than I think anyone. Uh, he, he's just the, the best of the best. My friend, welcome back. How are you? Hey, great, Rory. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Hello? Robert. Um, okay. First of all, you, you know, it's been a while. Uh, I think the, the main question is, how have you been and what's new and what's the latest on your projects? Well, you know, a lot of craziness in the world these days. I'm just trying to keep up with all of it. Uh, I suppose the big news is that uh, the uh, is all the election business that's kind of overshadowed the fact that there have been major jihad terror attacks in France and in Austria recently, and that that has led to more uh, a, a stronger response from uh, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, and Sebastian Kurz, the uh, chancellor of Austria, that to a stronger response to Islamic Jihad terror than we have seen for many years in Europe. And so uh, that's encouraging. It's a shame that a price of some people's lives, uh, but it does give some hope that maybe Europe will wake up before more people are killed. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with you. And, and tell us a little bit more about that, you know, what, what's going on in Europe. Well, it's really a battle for the freedom of speech, which is a battle I think we're going to be fighting in the United States before too long. I've been noticing uh, it's kind of disquieting, really. It should be disturbing to every American that so many uh, Democrat leaders and supporters of Joe Biden have talked about uh, having truth and reconciliation commissions for the re-education of Trump supporters. Uh, in other words, treating uh, the support for the president as if it's some kind of a pathology that has to be cured. Uh, this is just the way totalitarian regimes behaved in the past. 
those truth and reconciliation the meetings ended up being essentially concentration camps and so on. Uh, this is something that uh, it's very disturbing to see mainstream people calling for, like Robert B. Reich, the Secretary of Labor. And uh, Biden also has said that he's going to clamp down on hate speech on the Internet. And people think, well, that sounds good. Nobody likes hate speech. Sure. But hate speech is actually a, subject, a subjective concept. It does not have any uh, objective uh, reality to it at all. It just depends on who's doing the defining. Uh, for years, Islamic groups in the United Islamic States and leftist groups, they've insisted that uh, hate speech is any honest analysis of the jihad threat, of the motivating ideology behind it. And uh, so that's what they would be clamping down on. In Europe, meanwhile, the uh, fight for the freedom of speech is taking the form of the defense of the cartoons of Muhammad that uh, were published a few years back. And then the controversy w arose yet again when some of the people who uh, were conspirators with those who killed 15 people in the offices of Charlie Hebdo, the magazine that carried the cartoons, were killed in 2015. Some of their accomplices are, have been on trial recently, and that led to a revival of the whole thing. And a French... A uh, teacher, Samuel Paty, was showing a cartoon to his class in his discussion of the freedom of speech, whereupon a Muslim found out about it. It was broadcast out of the mosques that this had been done, and he uh, actually paid students to point the teacher out to him and beheaded him on the street. And then after France, instead of apologizing and clamping down on the cartoons, said they were going to defend the freedom of speech, a woman was beheaded in a church uh, along with two other people killed by another Muslim who uh, thought that he should retaliate for these cartoons against people in a church because uh, jihadis tend to think that all the French are Christians and that these Muhammad cartoons are actually a, uh, an attack by Christians on Islam. So the uh, president of France has vowed to protects the freedom of speech and freedom of expression, but he's not entirely consistent about it. For example, a Danish activist, Rasmus Paladin, recently went to France, and he was going to burn a Quran. Now, I'm not in favor of burning any books. I, I don't believe that's the kind of behavior we ought to be emulating since the Nazis did it and so on. But uh, the fact is it is freedom of expression, and if you're going to have freedom of expression, you're going to have expression that you might not like. And so the problem in this case was that Rasmus Paladin was arrested and deported from France. Uh, and so question whether they're really going to defend the freedom of expression or not. And, and I, you know, you bring up something that I, I'm very obsessed with. And, you know, I've been talking about this a long time of the dangers of interfering with free speech. I mean, we, we may not agree with it. We may not like it. But when you start limiting what people can say, I mean, that there's nothing scarier than that. I mean, you know, I mean, for so many different reasons. I mean, the, the, the main reason, I mean, one of the main reasons America is so great is because we can say whatever we want. I mean, that's, that's what freedom is. I mean, you know, you're allowed to have your own opinion. Um, and I'll tell you something. Um, we, when we criticize or when we go after 
the exact religion, which is, you know, Islam, you know, when we call them out for all the the things they believe and all the, the you know, dangerous ideologies, then that, that that's where – then we get called bigots. We get called racist, and, and that factors into free speech. I really think Islam has had something to do with, you know, trying to put a war on free speech. I mean, think about – in a lot of ways, what it, I mean, that if I if I when I look back, um, the whole subject narrative of of free speech had to do with Islam because a lot of people were calling them out for all their nonsense. I mean, not everybody. Yeah, obviously. No I mean, we have big that. tech. We have we have these social media platforms where people say certain things about other topics. But I think this whole criticizing Islam has a lot to do with free speech. What do you think? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The uh... Organization of Islamic Cooperation, which is 57 Muslim countries around the world, they uh, have been working for years to try to force Western states to criminalize criticism of Islam uh, under the guise of hate speech. uh, they, They call it hate speech, and it sounds terrible, and so people say, sure, sure, we'll outlaw it. But the, here again, the problem is, is that they define as hate speech any honest analysis of what motivates jihad terrorists. And that means yeah. that if they are able to be – if they succeed in this, then uh, we're going to see it illegal to discuss what the jihad terrorists are up to and why. And that will lead to the jihadis being able to act without any pushback, without any opposition, uh, because, of course, it will be illegal to speak out. And we all know the dangers of being being politically correct. We all know the dangers of these Middle Eastern religions. We we know. I mean, we know what it entails. I mean, just look at Islam and who their god is, and we all know their – their God married a little a little child, and I mean, and the, the the stuff they believe is sick. I mean, it's really sick. And, and how close, in your opinion, are we uh, to go to, to be going through something like what Europe is going through, where you know, I mean, everything gets taken over. Uh, we we completely don't have much of a say. Things get out of control. I mean, what's your perspective? Well, look, uh, Joe Biden says that he's going to immediately remove what he calls the Muslim bans, uh, which are actually travel bans on some countries that are Muslim and some that are non-Muslim that uh, don't give us proper information, adequate information about the people wanting to enter. But anyway, whatever they are, uh, Biden says he's going to remove them. So if he becomes president and he removes them, then uh, the mass migration will continue that we saw under Obama. There'll be a sharp increase in the Muslim population in the United States. And this will lead eventually to exactly the same kind of situation that we see in Europe now. And, and, you know, I want to ask you this as well. How do you feel about Joe Biden going back into the Iran nuke deal? And also, how do you see – I mean, let's just say – I still don't think he's going to get in there. I think Trump – you know, like I always say on my show, he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. I think Trump is going to pull this thing out. He's going to expose so much voter fraud. He's got Giuliani doing a fantastic job. There's so many things that are in our favor. The Supreme Court, we have more legisl- legislators across the country than Democrats do. But anyway, just go- going back to this, 
if Biden, for some weird reason, gets in there, what will the Middle East um, relations look like? And how do you feel about that, like I said earlier, the Iran nuke deal, him getting back into that, Biden? Well, the Iran nuclear deal was just what President Trump said it was, that it's the worst deal that any American president has ever entered into. And so uh, it would be a disaster to reenter it. Uh, it was uh, for 10 years, and after the 10 years, there were no restrictions on Iran's nuclear program. Uh, during the 10 years, it could actually, under some circumstances, inspect its own site and report back to the world that it was in compliance with the deal, which makes it a total joke. And even when it wasn't inspecting its own sites, uh, it had two weeks or more notice before inspectors could go in, which would mean essentially that there was plenty of time to clean up anything that might look suspicious. And so uh, the idea that this was a deal that would limit Iran's nuclear program was absolutely absurd on its face. It only enabled uh, Iran's nuclear program. And so if Biden gets us back into it, then we'll probably see Iran get a nuclear weapon and then try to destroy Israel as it is repeatedly threatened to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you something. I mean, this is, this is scary. I mean, these are scary times. And what do you make, Robert, of, of this whole voter fraud? I mean, this is crap going on. I mean, you're probably just – you're beside yourself, I'm sure. I mean, you know what's going on. I mean, you, you're very involved with, you know, D.C. and, you know, obviously – your, your main expertise is jihad watching. You know everything about Islam, but uh, but you, you're also very affiliated with what's going on, you know, in, in Washington. Speak on that, though. You're, you're probably just appalled. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about it. Look, the problem is it's pretty obvious that there was fraud. The difficulty is providing enough proof to get it to stick in court and get the election results changed. And that's what's going to be very difficult, if not impossible. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is going to be very difficult. Uh, the fraud, though, you know, there's so many things that just uh, on the face of it look suspicious, that the president uh, got 10 million more votes than he did in 2016. Uh, he had the wildly popular rallies with thousands of people while Biden was talking to a few reporters in chalk circles. And uh, he, there were the Republicans winning uh, seats in the House back and holding the Senate, uh, making gains all over the country. And yet the, the person at the top of the ticket, although he had very high approval ratings, is he, he loses. It's all very suspicious. But whether they have enough to make it stick, we'll see. I'm sure it's going to go to the Supreme Court. The problem is, of course, that since the voter fraud is fairly obvious, as was outlined earlier today by Rudolph Giuliani and Sidney Powell, the problem is that uh, if they don't make it stick, and they may well not be able to, then there'll be no more free elections in the United States because the left will be able to fix elections with impunity, and there won't be anything really that anybody can do about it. Because, of course, the pattern will have been set now. And so everything is at stake on, in this. Our entire future as a free republic is at stake in whether we can stop 
this uh, sinister initiative? And, well, it's really anybody's guess as to whether we can or not right now. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's true. And, and, and I want to ask you something before before you go, because I know you're out of time frame. Um, tell everybody about your books. How many books have you written at this point? 21. Good Lord, man. I mean, you're a stud. I mean, you, you are you are quite – you are a special special breed. I will tell you that. Um, tell everybody about your latest book, though, because I know you're still promoting it. Yeah, the latest one is a little bit of a departure for me. It was not about uh, terrorism or jihad. It's called Rating America's Presidents and America First to Look at Who's Best, Who's Overrated, and Who is an Absolute Disaster. And it is uh, an exploration of American history that's kind of an antidote to the left's war on our history and attempt to make Americans ashamed of being American. Uh, in contrast, I show why we should be proud to be American and how the best, most effective presidents were America first presidents who put the interests of our citizens first, as uh, President Trump has done, rather than uh, pursue an internationalism that's ultimately defeating to our own nation as George W. Bush and Obama and so many others did before them. I love it. I love it. And let me ask you something before you go. Um, I, I want to I mention, if you had to guess, let, let's say Biden gets in there, who do you think the next war will, who thinks the next country will go to war with? Because you know Trump is anti-war. That's, he actually just pulled a bunch of people out of Somalia. Actually, he, I don't know if he did or he's about to do it, but he's getting the truth out of Somalia. But what are your thoughts on all this? Syria is where he's going. Uh, I actually just wrote an article about this at PJ Media a few days ago uh, that AP and some other uh, big news organizations have recently run features after not doing anything like this for many years, run features about how terrible Assad is in Syria and how uh, – uh, the the subtext, of course, is that we have to get him out. We have to send American troops to topple topple him, as Barack Obama wanted to do, and was stymied. And so we'll see. It seems like it's a bit of unfinished business for the left. Uh, it enables jihad, which is something they love doing, uh, because the opponents to Assad are uh, Islamic jihadis. And so he, if he gets out if he is taken out they would be the prime beneficiary so i think uh if there is a biden administration that's where we'll see american troops and that's what they'll be doing very good no i no, i i agree i agree and um I, you know i always love having you with us uh tell everybody let's get you back soon and tell everybody where they can contact you where they can buy your book all that good stuff and all your social media yeah um i'm at uh, jihadwatch.org online updated many times daily with news and commentary about jihad activity and also at jihad watch rs on twitter there's a facebook page but you know how facebook is it'll probably be pretty hard to find under all their bands and blocks and uh let's see what else did you ask the books are at amazon barnes and noble and any self-respecting brick and mortar bookstore if there are any left and the next book is a new and revised expanded edition of a book I wrote a few years ago, Did Muhammad Exist, with quite a bit of new material, and that'll be out in a few months. I love it. I love it, Robert. Well, it's always a pleasure, my friend, and we will talk very soon, and we'll get you back. Okay, great. Thanks, Rory. Have a good night. You too, man. Thank you.
Uh, I do want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us right now. Uh, we have uh, political science professor and ex-Homeland Security official from New York, uh, Nick Giordano. How are you, my friend? Welcome back. I'm, I'm doing well, Rory. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, give us the 411. I know you're a busy guy. I know you're doing a lot of uh, huge things. And uh, tell us uh, what's been, uh, you know, the, the big things lately. Well, everything's about the election right now. So it's been pretty crazy for the last pretty much month. And it's trying to go through all the data and figure out, you know, what's really going on, what really took place during the election. You have a lot of powerful forces that want to see Trump out of office. And then you have Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell dropping bombs today during their press conference. And so you're trying to sort fact from fiction. And it's really difficult to do in this day and age. But these are serious people that have serious reputations. And I can't imagine they put themselves out on the line like that without having any real hardcore evidence. Yeah, and let's talk about that. You know, Rudy Giuliani's press conference today really shined light on so many, you know, pivotal uh, issues and topics and things that we've been you know, hearing about for weeks, but the media wants to downplay it. I mean, I, I think, you know, the way Rudy handled himself was absolutely um, perfect. I mean, this guy is known for being one of the best lawyers to ever exist. I mean, he took down John Gotti. He took down the mafia. I mean, this guy is, uh, is as bulletproof and uh, uh, hardcore as they come in life. And, he, and I think you've met him, haven't you? I, I, for some reason, I thought, because I know you've been involved with New York politics for a long time. Yeah, I've met him before, and that's why I say he's a very serious person. And when you're looking at it, listen, the left, first they say there was no voter fraud. Then you find out dead people voted. You find 5,200 ballots in Georgia. The next day you find a couple hundred more. Now they're saying, well, even if there was voter fraud, it wouldn't have been enough to turn the, change the election at all. And that's the thing. They don't care about any type of voter fraud. For, for years, they've been saying that there's no such thing as election fraud, that election fraud's a myth. Meanwhile, I proved conclusively several times that it's not a myth, and I always warn people, I'm not worried about the person that goes and tries to vote twice. What I'm worried about is the political operatives behind the scenes that have the potential to manipulate hundreds to thousands, thousands of ballots. And we've seen that happen in our past. And so with this election, you're talking about all these urban political machines – where there's been corruption for the last hundred years, where Democrats have been the stronghold of the political party for the last hundred years. How much corruption did they put infuse into this election? And we got to figure it out. Listen, I don't know. I don't think anyone could predict what's going to happen and how this plays out. No matter what happens, though, we have to take a look at every single ballot cast in this election. We have to root out all fraud. Because if we don't put a stop to this, if people keep on doing things and they're not held accountable, it's, it's the end for the United States. Nobody's been held accountable if they've had the right political opinions for the last five years, whether it's Hillary Clinton with her emails, whether it's the FBI with James Comey, no one's held accountable. You had the CIA spying on sitting members of the Senate under the Obama administration, no one held accountable. You have McCabe, who lied to federal investigators. She lied to Congress. She leaked information. 
not held accountable. At what point are people going to start to lose faith in the system? And they've already started. And if you just put this on top of it, if there's massive election fraud, yet nothing happens, no one's charged, it's the end. People are just going to give up. And let's let's talk about, you know, this whole Dominion software. And um, there's another one that I was reading about. I think it's called Smart Smart Tech that uh, Sidney Powell brought up. I could be wrong with that second the second name, but I, I know all about Dominion. We, we've been hearing about that. I mean, think about how these things get passed and get approved. I mean, it's beyond corrupt. I mean, you, I mean, you would think there's more of due diligence, uh, but it sounds like and it looks like the people that own these machines have all these connections to the government where they can just, you know, steal our elections. I mean, it's very sick stuff. Listen, I'm a paper and pen guy. I don't know why we can't go back to the old school balance paper pen. That's it. That's all we need. And we can figure it out from there. At least we have a record trail with the Dominion software. There is no real record trail. And that's going to be the biggest problem in this, because even if you could prove massive fraud, it's not like you're going to be able to recover the votes to see what the election really was. And so there'll be always be questions. I mean, let's just say, even if President Trump does pull it off and he does win, and I do see a pathway forward for him, a lot of people think it's getting states overturned. To me, it's more you disqualify that state, and then nobody's going to have enough to reach the 270 electoral votes, and therefore the House of Representatives will select the president, but it goes not by how many members of Congress there are. Every state has one vote, and Republicans would right. win that. But yeah. no matter who wins, it doesn't matter. We've all lost already because even if we're able to – President Trump conclusively shows that there was a massive amount of voter fraud, half the country is not going to accept that. They didn't accept the last four years, and they won't accept the next four years. So it's going to be a disaster all around. And you know what I've said, Nick, and, and you probably caught on to this just in general because you're a smart guy, and, I mean, you, you, know, you have – uh, you're extremely um, attentive with 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 uh, you know just your surroundings. But um, I was going to mention you know what the news media is doing. I mean we see how quickly they call this election. It reminds me of Truman. It reminds me of Gore. And you know what they're going to do when Trump actually wins? They're going to say Trump stole the election, and they're going to create a whole civil war out of it. And their media, they're, you know, it's all about money for these people. It's not about telling the truth. And everything is going to advance for them. This is how, this is how they do things. They're sick people. Listen, I released a podcast episode on September 15th or 16th, and I laid out this entire scenario of everything we're seeing play out today. I mean, I laid out how they were going to call the election for Joe Biden on election night or the next day. And I laid out how people were going to start to say that President Trump's trying to commit a coup. And they're going to do that because they know that that's what will bring the far left back into the streets and destroy cities. I mean, they were boarding up cities, not for uh, President Trump supporters. They were boarding up cities for the far left. Everyone knows that. It's not a secret. And that's the thing. And then you look at this election. The election was totally rigged. I mean, all you have to do is just look at the media. They're not a media anymore. It's a propaganda press outlet. They went 95% negative on President Trump. They never reported any negative stories about Joe Biden. They suppressed his whole email scandal and the corruption there. Then you have Google and big tech who basically Google manipulated people by 
showing them what Google wanted them to see. You have the big tech that censored me on Twitter when I criticized them for censoring the New York Post. And, and so you had all these powerful forces against the president, and he was still able to manage to get 11 million more votes than he did the last time. And that's not to mention all the dark money that was going to Democrats. I mean, Republicans were outspent in this election like 10 to 1 or something. And, you know, I never want to hear Democrat complain about dark money again because they were the recipient of all the dark money from the financial investment firms, from the military contractors, the military industrial complex, from the media, from big tech, who's fully financed. Joe Biden was getting all large donations, and they were hiding Joe Biden in a basement. Yeah, and, and you're right with the media. I mean, it's all opinions. I mean, I, I remember the good old days when we could just hear the news from the media, but nowadays they all have, you know, their their own their own plan. And um, but Murray, you know, it's worse I want to... just opinions. It's actually worse than opinions. It, it's they're trying to drive a, a political ideology. If you look at the media today, they're nothing more than a special interest group. I have no problem with a Rachel Maddow expressing her opinion. She, she's an opinion host. However, all the daytime hard news programming, they, they consider Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon as hard news anchors. They're not. They're trying to push right. an ideological agenda, and that's what makes it worse than opinion. I don't mind respectful right. dialogue. I don't mind debating the issues. But when you're trying to force people to an ideological agenda and force them to come to a conclusion, I have a big problem with that. Don't represent yourself as journalists. And half these organizations should have to be – they should have to get licensed as a political organization, not a press. They should have to register as a political organization because they're nothing more than a political action committee helping the Democrat National Committee. Well, you're absolutely right, and you know, and we all we and I want to mention this to you. I mean, you know, the biggest bullshit on earth is that Joe Biden got more votes than Barack Hussein Obama. I mean, I, I never liked Obama, but he was a political phenomenon to many people. I mean, he he knew how to speak, he knew how to get a crowd. Joe Biden couldn't even fill up a high school cafeteria. I mean, that's how you know voter fraud. I mean, and they're trying to say Joe Biden got more votes than any candidate in history. Give me a break. He couldn't even have 100 people at his rally. I mean, the guy, there's no enthusiasm. There's no appeal there. Yeah, I mean, listen, the guy, he can't put together two sentences. There's a reason that his handlers were hiding him from everyone. There's a reason that he wouldn't take questions from the press. There's a reason that when he did take questions from the press, he picked on people that would ask him, what flavor milkshake did he get? And it's because there's obviously clearly something wrong. He certainly is in mental decline. There's no disputing that. You clearly see it. And I can't imagine, listen, you have the Trump haters. I mean, there are people that just despise the president. They hate his personality. They're going to vote against him simply because they're going to vote against him. But I don't know too many people that were sitting there and they were enthusiastically supporting Joe Biden. And, and to me, I mean, I'm just trying to picture in my mind, like Joe Biden meeting with a, a foreign leader, meeting with the NATO alliance, meeting at the G20 summit. Like, what's he going to say? I mean, you can't hide the guy forever. If he is going to be president, which hopefully he's not, but if he is going to be president, it's not like you could lock him away in the White House. And I don't give Joe Biden six months if he's elected president. 
All my words. He's not lasting six months to the year at max. Before he steps down, he's going to resign for health reasons. He's going to get a pardon on his way out because the email scandal is not going to go away. Yeah, and, and think about who's going to take over. That smelly feminist Kamala Harris, the, the witch. I mean, she's, the, she's worse than Pelosi. She's just as bad as Clinton. I mean, this slob, this you know, I, I want to use a lot of words right now, but I'm going to hold back. But I can't, I can't, I can't stand her. I think she's worse, and I and I think the Obamas are terrible. I think she's she, and I, I thought the Obamas were the worst, but she's no different. She might be even a book a little bit below them in terms of worse. I mean, she is the the, the worst kind of individual you could ever have in that seat. No, she's not worse than Hillary Clinton. All right, so the well, one she, thing I'll give Hillary well, Clinton, well, we all know, not we that all I support know. Hillary Clinton, but no, the one no, thing I know, I'll I agree, give Hillary Clinton is she's smart. Hillary Clinton is a very, very smart person. No, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I will say, Kamala Harris is the Manchurian candidate. There's no denying that. She is, but she's not cunning. Hillary Clinton is smart and cunning. Hillary Clinton's in control. Not now, I'm just saying in general. Like, if Hillary Clinton's doing something, she's in control. The whole reason Kamala Harris was picked was because she can be controlled. She can be told what position she has to take. She can be forced in one direction or the other direction. So she doesn't make – I don't really fear her. I fear the handlers that will push her because I don't think that she really has the capability to develop these deep policy issues. It's going to be the people behind the scenes that are developing all the policies. And the question yeah. is – which are the policies that are going to be pushed forward? Are they going to go with the far left policies that they were essentially trying to hide in the last month of the election, but were touted throughout the election? Or are they right. going to be a more moderate because they can't get anything through the Senate if we retain the two seats in Georgia? No, I, I hear you. No, I hear you. I hear exactly what you're saying. And, you know, I want to ask you, I kind of want to shift topics uh, for a second here. So, you know, New York City, uh, the Democrats oh. there and this, this was announced today. They want a $5.5 billion, with a B, bailout for illegals. I mean, have you seen what that city has gone through with all these businesses shutting down and all these different companies? And they want to give attention and give all of these, their, their you know, agenda to illegals? I mean, it's a sick, backwards, twisted society we live in at this point. I mean, we've turned into third world. I mean, and look at everything that's going on, man. I mean, the Thanksgiving orders, Cuomo making all these stupid rules, even though he won't follow them himself. You know, I'm in California right now. I live in Palm Springs, California. And, you know, I don't, I don't think, because Palm Springs is pretty conservative. It's pretty Republican. And they already said on the news that Palm Springs probably won't obey Gavin Newsom's orders because, you know, I mean, they know better. I mean, the people here won't stand for it. But a lot of other parts of California, it will be happening. But, I mean, this is what we're dealing with. I mean, we have people that are telling us to stay in our homes. We can't go outside. We risk getting arrested. We risk getting fined. I mean, this is a socialist utopia. This is what they wanted for so many years. And finally, it's transformed into this. It's sick, sick, sick. Well, you have a bunch of little Mussolini And by the way, Nick, Nick, real quick, Nick. Nick, they say four to six weeks or whatever, but that's bullshit. 
That's what they said last year, and we're a year later. They're going to do this as long as they can because they're all about power. Well, that's what it's about. It's about power and control. And, and the American not people, about many, the of them, many of them are freely willing to give up their liberties, thinking that you know they're going to be safe. When the reality is that we are seeing the largest constitutional overreach that we've ever seen. The amount of constitutional violations that are going on. First of all, most of these governors are operating not through their state legislative branches like their state constitutions define. They're operating through decrees, through orders. And the state legislatures need to grab their cojones and start standing up to these governors. In addition, you have a lot of public officials. Now it's pretty much the appointed police uh, chiefs and the captains in places. They need to start standing up and saying, we are not forcing these orders. We're getting some that say that. But we need to see more to say that these are unconstitutional orders. I mean, think about the logic of this. If I drive in the HOV lane, which you have to have more than one person in the car, and I don't have one person in the car, I'm going to get pulled over and I'm going to get a huge fine, a $300 fine. But I could burn down a building and I could get away with that. That's okay. That makes no sense in this current day and age. And understand that the coronavirus cases were increasing throughout the month of October. They were increasing in all states, including the ones with strict restrictions on their population and what mask mandates. So what good are restrictions? What good are masks if it didn't slow down the spread or anything? We went through a lockdown. It was supposed to flatten the curve. We did that. Then it was, oh, well, we have to make sure that we have it below the 3% threshold and blah, blah, blah. We did that. And what happens? We open up and not even fully open up, and people start getting coronavirus. Europe locked down harder than we did, and yet they're still yeah. suffering it. You can't lock yourselves down. Listen, I wrote pandemic plans, and we never came up with a plan where you lock down the entire society. It was always you quarantine the most vulnerable amongst us, the ones that are susceptible to whatever's going on out there. Those are the ones that you protect. You don't shut everything down. The amount of damage that's being done is going to be far-reaching, and it's going to last for decades. Yeah, and and look at all the Democrat governors like Newsom and Cuomo who have been seen out not wearing masks. So it says, do as I say, not as I do, not even following their own protocol. And you brought up a good point. You know, I mean, let's, let's, let's make an example out of Sweden. Um, you know, they didn't never shut down and they're just fine. And the media doesn't want to talk about that in the USA because the media likes to fear monger and make everybody, you know, zombies. I mean, people in public are not all right. I mean, I, I walk out there and there's all this fear. There's, I mean, the media succeeded, you know, in making all these people paranoid and, you know, I mean, the, the new normal is, is going to be quite something. I'll tell you. Listen, every time I see someone walking around by themselves with a mask on outside, I scratch my head. Every time I see someone driving in a car with a mask on, with the windows rolled up, I want to pull up next one. Like, hey, and I keep just seeing really that too, and stupid? I'm like, what's the point? These people are out of their minds. But, you know, I mean, they, they succeeded. They surely succeeded in exploiting this crisis better than anyone could have imagined. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true, man. Well, dude, I love having you with us. Um, let's get you back soon. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. 
Definitely. You can go to PASReport.com, PASReport.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PASReport or on Paula. I'm now on Paula at PASReport as well. Excellent, man. Um, you know what, man? Nick Giordano, I always love having you here. Um, Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. appreciate it. Absolutely. Always, always a pleasure, and uh, we'll get you back soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye. All righty. Everybody, I'm going to take a quick commercial, and then I ha- I'm going to be back with um, U.S. congressional candidate from Maryland, and he's also doing a bunch of other big stuff in politics. Good friend of the show, Tim Faisenbaker. We got everybody on the panel to get to tonight. Uh, stay with us. Coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. This is the Rory Sauter Show. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless absence. Endless absence every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. 
Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back, the Rory Sauter Show, coast-to-coast, worldwide, listened to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. It's a beautiful night, guys, coming to you live from Palm Springs, California. Um, A lot to get to, a lot of people on the panel. Um, Very, very exciting. Um, I want to um, give me a few seconds. I'm going to make sure... Hold on a second. See here. Okay. I want to welcome the show right now. I believe he's with us. Uh, We have clarifying executive director of Pro English, Stephen Gusto. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Rory. How are you? Doing well, man. What's new? What's the 411? What have you been up to? I know you're working on a lot of big stuff in Washington, D.C. I know you're doing legislation. Um, I know you've been uh, heavily involved and paying attention with, um, you know, this whole voter fraud stuff. So give us give us an update. What's what's the latest? What's the rundown? Well, yeah, I'm talking to you from right here on Capitol Hill. I'm just uh, a few blocks away from the U.S. Capitol on one side and the White House on the other side. So this is ground zero, obviously, of everything that's been going on. And uh, yeah. we've been very, very busy here at Pro English, even in the midst of this election and recounts and court cases, um, because, you know, we're pushing forward. And just, you know, for anyone in the audience that is not familiar with us, Pro English, we're the nation's leading advocate to make English the official language of the United States. The USA does not have an official language. Um, and so we work both in the Capitol and Congress and at the White House to try to make English the official language. And one of the things that we're doing that we're actually encouraged about is uh, just yesterday, uh, Wednesday, we were uh, meeting with three Republican members of Congress uh, in their offices. And, you know, the Capitol and the White House are generally closed to visitors and guests during this uh, pandemic, but thankfully we were able to get uh, an exemption. And we're going forward, you know, for the the new Congress, the 117th Congress, we're we're very encouraged that there were 14 new Republican women who were coming in and as well as other Republicans, we've already been in contact with several of them seeking their support and sponsorship for the English Language Unity Act. That's the bill that we advocate for in Congress, the English Language Unity Act. And uh, we're moving forward. We've been talking with Senator James Inhofe of Oklahoma. He's our main sponsor in the Senate about adding official English to a larger budget or immigration bill. We're going to try to do that in the new Congress as well as Uh, getting together with these new members of Congress as well about the bill. We've also been working with Representative Sam Graves, wonderful congressman from Missouri, uh, about the U.S. Census. Um, We asked the congressman, and he did so. He sent a letter to the GAO, the Government Accounting Office, asking for a report about how much does it cost the census to do all of its multilinguistic translation for the census. Right now, for instance, the U.S. Census has materials available in 59 different languages on its, on its website, 59 different languages. Someone's paying for all that translation work, and that is you and me, Rory, and all American taxpayers. So Representative Graves has sent a letter to the GAO demanding a strict accounting of exactly what it's costing in the U.S. Census, census 
to have it translated parts of it into 59 languages. We're also, we've been in regular contact with the White House even since the election in terms of having President Trump sign a, a new executive order, um, repealing Bill Clinton's executive order that mandated, um, that mandated uh, multilingual interpretation and translations for anyone that receives federal funding. Obviously, you know, we're aware of the practicalities of what's going on right now. And so, you know, were President Trump to lose, then we really need him to do it by noon on January 20th. And um, so we've been very, very busy in, in a different variety of areas here on the Hill between the White House, the Capitol, working with various members of Congress, um, because we're moving forward because the new Congress is going to start in about six weeks and we need to get ready. One other thing we're doing, and this relates to the election, is we're also preparing a report on the cost of multilingual ballots across the nation. Um, I'm sure almost everyone that's listening to my voice right now probably, you know, when they filled out a ballot, saw that it was in lots of different languages. Um, and we know that, for instance, in Los Angeles County out in California, the last election it cost them over $3 million to translate the ballot into multilingual uh, languages. Uh, and in Osceola County in Florida, which is very close to Disney World, it was over $100,000. So you're talking about tens of millions of dollars all across the country, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars to translate ballots into other languages. So we're preparing a report on that as well to show how much it's costing U.S. taxpayers to have ballots translated into different languages and why we do need an official language, English, here in the USA. God, man. I mean, you're a magician. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're a mastermind. I mean, you're, you're, a uh, quite the success. I mean, with, with everything you're accomplishing and everything you're working on. And I just, I, I give so much praise and, uh, you know, admiration, you know, towards your way. Um, you know, I, I want to, I want to mention and bring up, um, the scenario with how far you've gotten at this point, because I know you and I talked a few months ago when you were last on the show about making English the official language, um, and you said you're in contact with the White House. Would you say you're pretty darn close to getting that signed? Well, let me tell you this, Rory. In other words, we know what President Trump you know, said back when he was a candidate in 2016 what, and what he's said you know, as a candidate again. Is oh yeah, he's always, you, he's always been a pro advocate. He's always been a pro advocate of having English as the primary language, and he always thought it was frustrating and unnecessary that we have all these different languages. Because, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, all it does is cost taxpayers money because they've got to print these documents, they've got to put all this stuff into place. I mean, it's a hassle. I mean, we don't go to other countries expecting special treatment, but these all these different you know uh, groups come here, and then we have to you know, make special, you know, accommodations for them. It's, it's stupid. Go ahead, though. Sorry. Well, it's a very expensive hassle is what it is. Back when Bush 43 was in office, the GAO did a report at that point, and this was about more than 15 years ago, maybe 18 years ago, that at that point they estimated it was costing a couple of billion dollars a year, you know, to, for Americans to be forced to do all this multilingual translation due to Bill Clinton's executive order. So if Trump signs a new executive order, it would be saving a couple of billion dollars a year easily, probably even more than that. And so how close are we? That's hard to say. We did a draft executive order for the White House. We sent it to the White House. We know it's been reviewed by the White House lawyers. It's a whole process, obviously, any executive order. You never sign these things overnight. Um, but again, we're looking at, you know, we're balancing that with what the White House has said. We've had several very good meetings with Trump aides, but it's like football. It's like being in the red zone. That doesn't mean you're in the end zone. 
we believe we're in the red zone. We're inside the 20. Um, and so, but we haven't crossed the goal line. And again, depending on what happens, you know, with this election between recounts and court cases, Supreme Court, the House, when I met with the members of Congress yesterday, we were going over all of this in terms of the potential of these members of Congress, you know, being involved in voting for the next president if it reaches the House. I mean, who knows? And so, you know, but were Trump to lose, we really need him to do it by January 20th at noontime, obviously. Um, and so we feel we're close, but again, again, it, the red zone is not the end zone, and we need to get into the end zone. I want to add one other thing, too, because you said something very good, is like people coming to this country you know, need to learn English, and because this is helpful to them. I do a lot of media, and a lot of our opponents always say, oh, you're anti-immigrant, you hate immigrants, etc. We have two legal immigrants on our board of directors. And I'm friends with many legal immigrants. I lived in Florida before living in D.C., and I know many Cuban-Americans. And they say to me all the time, they say, Steve, look, I escaped Castro and communism in Cuba. I came to the USA. The very first thing I did was learn English. And now all these Cuban-Americans are very successful professionals, doctors, lawyers, engineers, professors, you name it. They're doing everything, basically. And they said, what do you native-born Americans not understand about how important it is for immigrants to learn English. If, you, if you're an immigrant to this country, a legal immigrant, you learn English, you're going to get better job opportunities, you're going to make more money, you're going to be in a better position to support your family, you're not going to have to go on welfare, you're going to have a better chance at the American dream. So every time an opponent says to us that, oh, you're anti-immigrant and you're not compassionate to immigrants, I say, false, we are the ones that are more compassionate because we are the ones that are giving immigrants a better chance of achieving the American dream if they learn English and become proficient in it. No, I hear you. I hear you, man. And, and, and you know, it's, it's an interesting scenario and it's just, it's, it's mind blowing. You know, I want to also bring up what's the big problem with the census. I mean, and you know, the Democrats try to say it's racist, it's racist. No, it's not just like Trump made that, very clear, you know, he, he's brought this up several times at the census that, you know, we want to know, um, you know, all the American citizens, you know, rather than just everybody here. We, I mean, and that's fair. How is that, how is that hateful? How is that, you know, divisive? It's, the Democrats are, are, are masters at playing the victim. It's all they do. It's a case of false compassion. You're right. Where, you know, the argument that the other side makes is, oh, you have to have it in 59 different languages, parts of it, because we want a true number. We want to know the true number of people in this country. Well, the true number of people in this country is different than the number of people that are here legally. Those are two totally separate numbers. And what you're dealing with in certain big cities, the, the top five biggest cities in the USA right now, only about 50% of the people living in those cities are speaking English at home. So the other side says, oh, you have to put it in 59 different languages to make sure you reach everyone so that people aren't afraid to fill it out if they don't understand English, etc. But all you're doing is leading to the balkanization of this nation. It's another Tower of Babel, frankly, if you allow this. And again, it's a whopping cost. And so that's why we met with Representative Graves, had him send a letter to GAO and asked GAO, look, what is the actual number that it cost the U.S. Census Bureau to do everything in 59 different languages? Now, let's face it. I know how it works here in Washington. I'm right here on Capitol Hill. They get the letter from Representative Graves. They look at it. They have to respond to him just saying that they received it and whatnot. 
but they're going to slow walk this thing. We know that for a fact, basically. And because um, they haven't done anything about, you know, multilingual translation costs, again, in, since Bush 43, about 18 years ago. And so, but we're going to stay with Representative Graves and, you know, hold their feet to the fire to get something. Because, again, these are tax dollars that are being spent because of you and me and all the tax, tax paying Americans. And it's an expensive, expensive proposition to put this stuff out in 59 different languages. And there's no reason to do so. Um, but that's what they did. We, we captured it. We saw it because uh, they sure didn't publicize it too much. And so now we're trying to hold their feet to the fire about it. Incredible. Incredible. So, you know, here, here's what I want to ask you. And I don't, I don't think this is going to happen, but let's just give for some hypothetical odd reason Biden gets in there. I, I think Trump is going to win. I think he's going to prevail. I think all the voter fraud is going to get exposed. I think uh, obviously he's got the Supreme Court on his side. He's got a lot of things on his side. But let's just say for, like I said, if Biden gets in there, how does that affect your agenda? Because I know everything you're doing is amazing for what this country needs. And, you know, we need patriots, you know, that, that keep fighting. I mean, but Biden wants to just let everybody in. I mean, I read the other day that he wants to um, allow up to about upwards of 800% of illegals into this country. I mean, it's, it's insane. Well, the answer to your question is really trifold. Number one, it also depends on what happens in the Senate and the House. The Republicans are getting closer in the House, and there's still a few seats that have left to, that are still being counted. Um, I don't know that they'll achieve a majority per se, but they're going to be pretty close to it. And you do have, you know, a handful, maybe 10 or 15 conservative Democrats. Um, right. Well, conservative slash moderate Democrats, you know, the ones that didn't vote for uh, impeachment, for instance, and didn't vote for Pelosi as speaker, who may be willing to play ball with the Republicans on something like official English in the, ho- in the House. In the Senate, again, we've already been working with Senator Inhofe concerning trying to include our bill, the English Language Unity Act, in a larger budget or immigration bill. Now, with regard to Biden himself, if in fact he's taking the oath of office on January 20th, We've already done a little bit of research on him, and he actually made a couple of interesting comments back in January um, during the primaries where he said on a couple of different occasions that, you know, if you're an undocumented immigrant, his, his phrase, that you have to learn how to speak English if you want to become a citizen. And then he also talked about offering English language education support for immigrants. Now, that's not a ton of stuff. That's pretty thin gruel. But, you know, it's like it's not even half a loaf of bread. It's maybe a slice or two, but it's something to at least begin to engage him with. I don't know that he would ever sign an executive order. I don't know if he would ever sign the English Language Unity Act um, if it came to his desk. But, again, if it's included as part of a larger bill, again, a larger budget or immigration bill where it's tucked in there along with other stuff, he might have to just to allow the bill to go forward on a larger scale. And, you know, if he is and he got pushback from the left, from the progressives, after he said that, and frankly, we were surprised that he even said those things. But if he is willing to go forward and say that if you're coming to this nation, you have to learn how to speak English and that they're going to offer English language education support. I mean, like I say, it's it's a half a loaf is better than none. And even a slice or two of dry toast is better than nothing. And it's you know, we'd have to engage on that level. It's definitely not obviously as largest scale is what the Trump administration has talked about. But again, we need them to sign an executive order too. You, know, you can't just 
talk to talk, you got to walk to walk. And so, so we know what Biden has said. We know that he got pushback from the left on that. If he does become president, we'll go from there and see, uh, and see what happens. But we know that we, you know, we've had to research what he said, and we did find that. No, absolutely. Uh, Stephen, I always love having you with us. Uh, let's get you back very soon. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you and all that good stuff. Yeah, people can learn more about ProEnglish at ProEnglish.org. That's ProEnglish, all one word, dot O-R-G. Sounds good, my friend. Let, let's get you back here in the next couple of weeks. Great. Thanks, Rory. Have a great night. You too, man. Thank you. Uh, I, want, I want to welcome to the show, I believe he's with us right now. We have uh, investigative reporter and the best-selling author of The Permanent Coop, Lee Smith. Lee, how are you? Hi, Rory. How are you? Good to be with you. Well, it's good to have you back, my friend. Give, uh, first, first and foremost, give us the 411. What's new? What's been going on? What are you working on? What's the rundown? Well, I think everyone's watching what's happening here with, uh, uh, with the election and with the campaigns, uh, campaign, uh, the campaign's uh, defense of the defense of the president. I think that everyone saw the press conference today with Mayor Giuliani, Sidney Powell, and Chen Ellis, and I mean, it was a, I think it was a fairly impressive performance, and so we'll. We'll wait and see the different things that unfold, the different cases that may be forthcoming. And you know, the the, the team says they have have a lot of evidence, and these are all people who are, uh, you know, are very very serious figures, not just not just excellent lawyers, but very serious people. So it'll be interesting to see the different cases that they make, the cases they make uh, in court, and as Mayor Giuliani and uh, Sidney Powell did today the cases they make to the American public. No, it's true. And I want to know your whole perspective on that, because, you know, we saw Rudy Giuliani really lay out things today in the press conference. I mean, he was more than detailed. He was right on par. I mean, this guy is uh-huh. on top of his game. And, you know, what do you see happening? What do you see going down? How do you feel about the current situation? I, I, I don't. I don't know enough because I I don't know the cases that they have. I don't know enough details about the cases they have. I do know one thing that these are all very serious people. That these are again, they're not just serious lawyers who are accomplished professionals in their field. These are very serious people, and when people, uh, whether they're on TV or on radio or in the print media, and they go around calling uh, Mayor Giuliani uh, nuts, or they think he's awful, when they go around insulting Mayor Giuliani, when they go around insulting Sidney Powell or questioning her integrity, let's remember that this is part of a, uh, that this is part of an operation to dirty them, right? None of this information is making it into, none of this information is making it into what we used to call the prestige press or the mainstream media. None of it's making it there. They're blocking it off just the way they, they made all the Hunter Biden material go dark. So let's remember why they're saying these things about Mayor Giuliani, because Mayor Giuliani produced all this information about Hunter Biden and they made it go black. They disappeared it. So that's the person that they're insulting. That's the person that they're going after. It, it, it's, it's preposterous. These are serious people. They, 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 they merit our attention. They merit our respect. 
going out and doing that work. I think that anyone who saw anyone who saw the the mayor castigating the media that needs to uh, <laughs> that certainly needs that lesson at the very least. I think has to come away impressed and understand exactly that the mayor understands exactly what's going on here. So, yeah, I, 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 these are serious people, and they're making a serious case, and they're making a serious defense of the country. And it's very important, both what Ms. Powell and Mayor Giuliani say, this is not just about defending. It's not just about defending Donald Trump. It's not about one election. It's about the integrity of the election. And if Americans don't know whether or not their vote counts, then we're moving into a very different phase in American history. This is an incredibly serious matter we're moving into right here. So I advise all of your, uh, all of the listeners and your great audience to follow what's going on in so far as they're able. Yeah, and Lee, and Lee, you're a, you know, you're a very uh, strong investigative reporter, and you've written books. You wrote a book called The Permanent Coop. So, I mean, you, in a lot of ways, predicted a lot of what happened. And I just want to get kind of your, your sense and your idea. Have you talked to anybody on the inside? I know you're heavily involved and connected hmm. on what's next. I mean, what, what's your whole uh, – I don't, I don't really I, – I, I don't really have any, any insight into that. Again, just from what I've seen on TV and what I've read in uh, – respectable outlets, places that can be taken seriously. But um, I, mean, I mean, what I can say from, from my, uh, you know, from what I've been looking at and investigating the last several years is we have to understand, we can't just look at this. We can't just look at November 3rd, what happened November 3rd and after the elections after. It's not an isolated event. We've been, this must, we have to see this as part of a series dating back to, uh, at the very latest, spring and summer of 2016. They've been going after this president. They've been t- trying to disenfranch- disenfranchise Trump voters since 2016, right? Since yep. after that election. So the idea right. that somehow there would be widespread election fraud in 2020 and the idea that people think this is bizarre or curious or a conspiracy theory is perverse. We know precisely what they did in 2016. They targeted the president. They made up some nonsense uh, about him being a Russian spy. They spied on his campaign. They spied on his presidency. They went after him. They had this Mueller investigation for two years. And again, it's important to see this, that it's much larger than them just going after Donald J. Trump. They were trying to disenfranchise at that point more than 60 million Trump voters. Now we know there are more than 70 million Trump voters in 2020. Are they trying to disenfranchise them again? That's certainly a question well worth asking. And insofar as Mayor Giuliani and Ms. Powell and Ms. Ellis may be able to prevent, and, and, and we've seen others, uh, Lynn Wood, uh, Joe DeGeneva, Victoria Tensing, insofar as these people may be able to provide answers, God bless them. We should cheer them on and support them. Because we've been asking for answers for four years, and the different institutions that were supposed to provide answers, like the FBI, like the DOJ, have not given us answers. Because we can't trust in American institutions anymore, most of them. If we can't trust in this institution known as an American presidential election, we're in real big trouble as a country. We're in real big trouble. 
So we certainly want to see this. Uh, we certainly want to see this resolved, and we certainly want to see how this turns out. Amen. No, I agree. I agree, and I know. I know you have to. You have to go. It, it, it is. Uh, um, you're on a time frame, but tell it. Let's get you back very soon. I'd love, yeah, I'd love I to. Talk to. That'd be great. Yeah, let's That'd try to get you on next I look, week. I look forward it, to it. I want to, yeah, let's try to get you on next week because there's a lot more I want to discuss with you. But tell everybody yeah, where they can connect with you, where they can buy your book, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the publisher of Center Street Books, I encourage everyone, especially now after the coronavirus has hurt so many small businesses, I really encourage people to go to their local independent bookseller if they can. The latest book is The Permanent Coup. How enemies foreign and domestic targeted the American president. So yeah, so I, so please ask for it at your local independent booksellers. Amen, my friend Lee. I, I we always love having you on the show, and we'll get you back next week. And there's a lot more to go over. Okay, my friend. Have a good weekend. I, I look forward to it, or you too. Thanks very much again. Bye bye. All, right, all right, thanks, Lee. Um, I want to go to. I believe he's with us right now. We have U.S. congressional candidate for Maryland. And he's also doing a bunch of uh, successful things in business and politics right now. He just, I think he launched a new political company, if I'm not mistaken, recently, uh, helping a lot of other candidates and causes in the America First movement. Uh, we have with us right now Tim Faisenbaker. Tim, how are you? Hey, Rory, I'm doing well, and I'm jealous. You're in Palm Spring, California, beautiful, beautiful area. And, yes, it is conservative there, and that's the, the good part of California. Yeah, I, I, I got I, I bought I bought a house I bought a house here I, I love it here and I've been coming here 20 years for family vacations and I have a lot of relatives and friends here it just you know it just made sense I still have my place in Arizona so I'm going back and forth but Palm Springs really the feel you, you don't feel like you're in the cesspool of California I mean you got you know most people are successful business people rich retirees you know, hardworking people, middle class. I mean, I mean, that's the kind of environment it is. I mean, and, and it's, I mean, millions of tourists a year. I'll tell you, this place, uh, it's known, as you know, for its uh, amazing golf courses, uh, you know, beautiful hotels, fantastic restaurants. The nightlife is, is a blast. I mean, there's so many great things here. Well, over here in Maryland, yeah, it's, it's like your, uh, your West Coast of California, so... Uh, here, we are still fighting. Uh, we've been pushing this free and fair election stuff ever since my primary, and we were going around the country talking about what happened in primaries with the mail-in ballots and, and all these other nefarious activities. And lo and behold, it happened on the national level. And you know, we knew it was going to happen. I think person knew this kind of stuff was going to happen, and it's happened before. You know, even with someone like LBJ, when he was running for Senate, I think in the 40s, um, it was admitted later that, yeah, they did cheat. And, and that's what and people, you know, people will do bad things if, if given the opportunity. But the thing about America is we had these checks and balances, and our forefathers put these things in place for these types of issues to keep those evil actions from, of, of man from happening. But what we're seeing now with decades of anti-American rhetoric and systematic changes, we see this now. And, it, and I, I look back you know, 15 years ago when people were talking about pushing early voting, 
And I remember saying, well, that's not in the Constitution. If we want to make that change, put it in the Constitution. But, you know, they, they went around it. They used the emotional appeal. Well, it helps people get out, and it helps everybody vote. But really what they were doing was setting up opportunities for people to cheat and do evil things. And we now look at things like this election. You had these mail-in early voting things going on. You have these uh, different systems that are out there that were you know, changing algorithms and having different votes cast for different people. Things don't mathematically add up either. And so now we are at the, the cusp of what, what could potentially be a powder gate for this country because you have disenfranchised voters on either side, they're going to feel this way, and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, what if – I keep asking this question, and I think you hinted at it earlier. What if all this evidence gets proven and President Trump still doesn't win in the courts? Now you have 100 million people that feel like they're living in a country that they don't belong in. You know, Does that start a, a, a beginning of another civil war? Or – does President Trump retain office and the left just ratchet up their hate and their anti-American actions? And then all of a sudden, you know, now we have the opposite. We have the left trying to splinter, you know, with this country. And I don't think that um, it, it could happen, but it's it's going in that direction. And I think your last guest was talking about balkanizing that's exactly what the anti-Americans have been doing, splitting us into groups, you know, call, saying we're African-American or, or Caucasian-American. No, we're, we're Americans, and that's why we need to remember, first and foremost, it doesn't matter what political party you are. You're American, and if you have that as your concept, we can get along even if we disagree philosophically. We're at the point now where I'm scared it might not be – we might not be able to return. And we need to step up. And I'm calling all Republicans out there right now. If you don't step up and do what you need to do, we will remember, and we will not have you back in office. We will take over that Republican Party and make it in our image because you did not stand up for us. Amen. No, I agree. I agree. And what do you make of this whole – I mean, what are your thoughts on the world we're living in right now? I mean, the Democrats – the only way they can win is, is if they cheat. And, you know, I called this out on my show months ago. You know, I said that people, you know, people have been telling me for months, oh, Trump's going to win in a landslide. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. I mean, because I knew what the Democrats were up to behind the scenes. And this whole okay. voter fraud thing was on their minds, and it was one of their top priorities. I mean, 2016, they thought they had it in the bag. They didn't think they needed to take all these extra precautions you know but you know after they saw what happened uh versus the hillary they're like oh there there's no way we're gonna let this one you know uh be taken be, be taken away so i mean these people the, the fix was in i mean it, there, there's no doubt you know what i mean yep yeah and, and it's obvious I, I saw a poll earlier that i think 47 percent of americans think that the democrat party cheated uh, it's probably higher than that that even think it. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's these, all these polls are skewed. They're skewed. Yeah, of course. But even even if it's a skewed I would, liberal I would, poll, I would say closer. To, I would say closer to sixty-five or seventy percent would probably agree that it was uh, a rigged election. Yeah, I would agree that with that too. So it's um, 
I think I think what we're seeing is what Nikita Khrushchev, you know, former uh, leader of Soviet Union, said. You know, America, we won't necessarily beat you from outside with our tanks and planes, but we will destroy you from within. And ever since then, you've had this liberal progressive movement, this anti-American movement, that's slowly been chipping away at our foundation. It's a long-term game, and they're winning. And conservatives are are gentle people, and we we go along, get along, and but not the left. And their whole mission in life is to radically change this country, because yeah. for most of history, people have always looked at society as well. You have people at the top, and they know better, and they rule everybody else because that's the way it should run. I mean, you got places like you know communist China. Where even even their people who come here that I'm friends with, great business people, they still think that way. Um, it's because it's been ingrained in them. But the, that that's why America's always been under assault because we have been the greatest nation this earth has ever seen. So the left yeah. will continue to do this. I don't know what the right answer is, but I I can see a splitting of the American family. Because you're having two sides polarized so much that we don't know how to get along. And I don't know if there is a way to get along because we believe in different versions of living and, and living freely. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I pray for the best outcome. Yeah, and, you know, I, I want to break something up to you, like, you know, in regards to this whole mask mandate. I mean, it's out of control. I mean, these governors and these politicians want to limit Thanksgiving, you know, now, mm-hmm. you know, and these are Democrats and we all know that these governors, it's not really Republicans doing this, but we also now right. see some idiotic uh, headline uh, today that governor Wolf, uh, the D- Democrat governor <laughs> in Pennsylvania, he wants to have people wear masks, masks when they're in their own house. And I'm just like, what is going on? I mean, come on. I mean, this is going too far. I mean, and they say they want to do lockdowns for four to six weeks. I mean, that's what they said originally, and it turned into a year now. I mean, it's never going to end. As long as they have power, they're going to keep this shit up. These people want to turn us into a socialist utopia Venezuela. Yeah. Now, like I said, I'm from Maryland. We do have a Republican governor in name only. Uh, Larry Hogan. Yeah, he's he's such a phony Hogan. Hogan, he's such a phony. He hates Trump. He hates Trump. <laughs> he, he hates Trump, and we now, like California, have the Thanksgiving lockdowns, no more than 10 people. Uh, they're shutting down everything again. And, you know, part and now of, they're doing the 10 o'clock you, curfew. They're, in California, they're trying to do the 10 o'clock curfew, which is ridiculous, man. I don't think yeah. Palm Springs – I don't think Palm Springs is going to enforce it. Um, that's what I read because Palm Springs is very conservative. And they have the choice to deny Gavin Newsom's orders. And I think that's what they're leaning towards right now. So I think we're good. But go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So in Maryland, is, is similar to California, where when you get outside that D.C. Baltimore corridor, the rest of the state is actually fairly conservative. You know, Western Maryland, is the, that's the mountains. And you have the eastern shore, which is, you know, the Atlantic Ocean and, and northern Maryland's horse country. And uh, we have tobacco farms in southern Maryland. So majority of Maryland geographically is conservative, and they won't follow these orders either. But they actually have a team of 30 people now that are going around, employed by the state, to actually levy fines 
to anybody not following these mandates. And this isn't the America that, you know, you and I grew up in. This is radically changing the country like Obama was Obama's mission was. We're gonna fundamentally change this nation. So you yeah. mentioned, you know, I'm doing other things to help other candidates. Part of what why is because I'm tired of, you know, a lot this this leftist movement, but I'm tired of a lot of Republican establishment people who won't step up and help someone like President Trump and won't help us stop, you know, these stupid mandates that are going on across the country. I did create something called catchthevote.com. So any candidate, and, I, and I'm friends with many of your guests that are on here now, anyone, and including yourself, I know you talked about running, we, we built things to help specifically our type of people run and win races. And we, we've had it all over the country. We had people in California, you know, Washington State, and Florida, and everywhere. Um, and our whole goal is we will radically change this Republican Party to make it more Trump-like than it is right. more like Paul. We want our party and we want our country. We're going to do that, and we're watching every single Republican right now to see how they react and what they do to step up to help us and help President Trump. No, amen, man. Amen. And, you know, I wanted to um, bring up to you, um, I was reading something today that was very interesting. Uh, There's now a new group. um, It's the Patriotic Education Fund. And they've now, uh, the Mississippi governor has now proposed $3 million to combat indoctrination from far-left socialist teachings at universities. And I think it applies to high schools, too. And, you know, you and I have talked about this on my show many times. I mean, people, these kids in these colleges, they go to these universities, you know, their parents pay a ton of money, and they come out dumb as hell they come out just more ignorant than you can ever imagine and they shy away from god you know they become safe you know in certain ways with what they believe i mean it's satan like i mean it's and it's socialist it's i mean we look at the polls i mean it's not a secret there's very few conservatives in the college level i mean they all get brainwashed it's sad stuff so i think more governors need to take that step where fixing the education system and stop the indoctrination because we people do not pay all, especially parents all this money for their kids to hear what a, a what a socialist you know you know has to say about life i mean they're there to teach they're not there to get everybody into their little cult i mean it's sick stuff these professors when i went to college i remember i had a mix of you know i come from a blue collar family but we we had a mix of um, grants and scholarships and and some loans at the time, and my my parents I remember specifically saying you know we're going to help you but we're not going to pay for college you know they they helped me with a car they helped me with um, living and stuff like that but when I look back now I knew what my parents were doing was making me understand that I'm paying for this education and when 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 that happened I I realized. Hey, professor, this isn't the crap I want to hear. This I want to learn something because I'm paying you to teach me, not these theoretical things that never worked. I want to, I want you to teach me how to be more successful and productive in life. And I think what we're seeing because of COVID, you're having a lot of people taking their children out of both public and parochial type schools and they're homeschooling. 
And I think it's going to help curb some of this, this crazy indoctrination that's going on. I think the left yeah. knows that that's part of the negative of COVID is that so many kids are now being taught at home. And we've seen other uh, liberal people come out and say, you shouldn't teach your kid at home if, um, if you're coming like more from a conservative family. They know that this has a long-term effect that's going to help the conservative mindset. Uh, but we need to be ready. We, the schools have been the focal point of how to change the American way of life, thinking, and culture. And the left has been so successful in indoctrinating them. Uh, it, it's time that we radically chance to transform schools so they're not indoctrination centers. They should be places to, be, to learn how to critically think. I agree. I agree with you. And, and you know, I want to bring up something that um, obviously has been on your mind, and I've seen, I've seen you talk about it on social media, but we clearly know that voter fraud strongly occurred in Balkan, just like it did everywhere, and in Maryland, I mean, all these different states. So, I mean, that, that you know, I, I want you to speak on that because I, regardless, it wasn't just the presidential election. I mean, this, it all had an impact. I mean, it, it, there, there were dirty things going on. Yeah, uh, I re- I've noticed for the past 20 years uh, in, in voting, most of the things that I vote for down ballots, the local type issues, always seem to uh, the opposite of what you know what I voted for. For instance, bond measures, uh, something as simple as you know people don't really read a lot of these these little questions, but they have they have a great impact on on your life, and it's always. The county, the municipality, the state—they always want to borrow money, and I always vote no. And you know, I—I I don't. You don't need money. You know, you need—you have a spending problem. But somehow, eighty percent of of those questions all the time get passed, and I'm sitting there going, eighty percent of the people do not support these types of measures, but they always pass. So yes, down ballot, we're seeing great guys like um, Joe James, I think, up in, in Michigan. Uh, there's this other races that have been going on where you have great people that were destined to win, and they're also now facing the same things that President Trump is facing, where they were ahead and now and now behind. It's carrying across the nation. If President Trump doesn't retain uh, this office for the next four years, I am afraid you will not see Republicans really elected ever again, especially at the president level, but it will be down ballot. That is their goal from the left. And look at look at how it all started. I mean, they used this pandemic to have the overflow of mail-in ballots. And we all know voter fraud occurs every single election cycle with Democrats. But this was mm-hmm. like extreme. This was like to a whole new level with their mail-in ballot mail-in ballot tactics. I mean, they 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 took advantage of this narrative, and they were up to so many different things. I mean, this is all part of their playbook. I mean, I see people. One of your guests was might have been uh, Nick Giordano. He was talking about uh, people wearing masks, you know, in their car by themselves. <laughs> and you know, it's like, okay, I can tell how you vote when you're when you're acting like that usually. But you know, it's the level of fear. And, and I've I've said before, I was a former executive in the mental health care field. Uh, emotion and fear are stronger than logic. And most people on the right, we think with logic. But when you think with fear and emotion, it's a stronger connection. And the Democrats know that. They are extremely smart. The, the 
the party leadership, and they know, well, we can tap into this, and people will give away their freedoms more than anything because of fear and emotion. And they get those people wrapped around their finger. They get them to do whatever they want, and, and then you have, you have the ability to ch- radically change an election and say, we're going to have to do something because of COVID. We're going to have to have mail-in ballots which opens up what they really want, which is the ability to negate real free and fair elections, and then they can manipulate the results and they do it any way they want. The Democrat Party today, their leadership is anti-American and treasonous, and you know they are not the party of JFK, Democrats, um, or, or even Jimmy Carter. They are completely anti-American leadership, and there's a few that are still decent. Um, and there's a lot of decent Democrat voters, but the, the leadership of that Democrat party is driving America to the brink of solvency, and, and we will not be the America we know anymore if they are in power any, any longer. Amen. Amen. I agree. Uh, Tim, stay with us. Also, uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved with all your businesses. Yep. Uh, you can find me at timfazenbaker.com. Uh, if you're local, I uh, also just purchased a liquor store. It's called Phase Four Liquors. You can also uh, you can find me on Parlor as well. I just joined, and that is uh, at Tim Phase and Baker. And of course, on Twitter, I'm still there, uh, America One Tim Phase. And I look forward to speaking with anyone that reaches out to me. Wow, man! Whoa, whoa, whoa! You didn't tell me this. Tell wow, this is this is quite something. You just purchased a liquor store. Yeah, um, I, I'm involved in the We Back Blue movement, which is supporting the law enforcement families. And what I wanted to do was do the same thing with a liquor store. Um, and so it's local in my community, and it's, it has an Americana theme. It'll be open probably within two to three weeks now. Um, we're going to be giving back to law enforcement families and veterans. Um, but we'll, we'll be serving my local community where I grew up as well. Uh, it, it's it's just another way that we're we're trying to get back and, and you know make a decent living as well. So yeah, I got my hands involved in everything right now. Dude, I love it, man. I love it. And, and tell everybody for people that don't know what you're doing with your other business. You're helping a lot of candidates. Yeah, you can find you can find me there at catch catch the vote. And if you're interested in running, or even if you're a business and you're looking for like a CRM, a customer relationship manager. This is similar to that, much less of a cost, plus um, we are helping conservatives only with this. So we will help you with texting, emailing, uh, capturing the way people vote, understanding the demographics of where they live, breaking them down by precincts, everything designed in one for anybody to help run a campaign from scratch. I, I only got into this. Because when I started running, I did not know where to go, and I started building right. one, and I know you're building apps too. And I, I had somebody with from the NSA help me get this stuff together and understand coding and all that, and built it from the from the perspective of a candidate running, which is completely different than all, all the other platforms out there. So feel free to reach out to us, catchthevote.com. We'll definitely help out any conservatives. We will vet you first. We will make sure that you're not, you know. Um, a Democrat or a Rhino, we want real conservatives winning by using by helping us, and we'll help you, but with this app.
Amen, brother. Amen. And and you're optimistic like me. And you know, before before I um, get to the next person, you're optimistic like me, right? In terms of Trump pulling this thing out. I mean, I, I believe he will. I believe he's he has everything on his side. I don't think there's much to worry about. I mean, we see his body language. He's calm. Mm-hmm. He's collective. He's ignoring the noise. Yeah, I said to everybody even before the election, this this probably would happen. Uh, I, I, yeah, I and, and that's what and that's what I said. And Tim, that's what I said too. I mean, there, Trump obviously knew this was coming. I mean, look at what they put him through for four years. I mean, they were going to do whatever yeah. it t- takes to you know destroy him, and that's what the, the, that's exactly what they did. I mean, he he was prepared. I mean, this guy, like I said, is playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. He knows. And he, he he usually wins. So keep that in mind. Don't pay attention to the media if you're, if you're listening to this. Don't listen to the media. They are not your friend. They are not on your side. They are not out there to inform. Uh, you just, just turn it all off and wait because Trump will prevail and the Supreme Court will end up making sure this goes the right way. I love it. I love it. I love it. Tim, always a pleasure. Stay with us if you can. Um, I want to welcome to the show, and we'll get you back next week, Tim, okay? Thanks. Yep. All righty. I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. We have writer and speaker, Sam Tully. Sam, how are you, man? Roy, how you doing? Good, man. What's new? How? Well, what's the latest, man? I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just listening to you. I came and you left. <laughs> Shoot. Oh man, I, I know, right? You just left California, and I—I I mean, I still have my place in Arizona, but I, I'm spending a lot of time in Palm Springs over here. You know, it's a—I love it over here. I really do. Oh well, there was nothing about the climate or the topography of California that I didn't love. It was just that right. the the politics were insane, and right. what I'm hearing now is Newsom is trying to. You know, shut everybody down Thanksgiving for two hours outside, and and now I hear he's even trying to institute a curfew out there at night. So, yeah, I, I heard what you're saying about Palm Springs, but Newsom is Newsom is nuts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, unfortunately, the I'm just glad I'm just glad Palm, I'm just glad Palm Springs is conservative, and from what I hear from the, the city officials and the politicians they're not going to listen new they're not going to listen to Newsom and they're not going to abide by his orders so I praise them for that you know and most of the locals here wouldn't stand for it anyway well that's good you know when I think about California and I think about Democrats overall and they remind me particularly black Democrats they remind me of like a a battered housewife Uh, you know she gets the hell beat out of her but then the husband says, "Baby, I just do it because I love you." <laughs> yeah. And they just, you know, they just keep voting for these same crazy jokers over and over again. So, yeah, it's the so, definition of insanity, Sam. It's the definition of insanity. Yeah, and, and you know, I hadn't talked to you in a while, and obviously, you know, with this 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 fiasco of an election. Uh, you you, you 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 hit on one point earlier in the day that I've been thinking about for the longest, and I was saying that okay, Trump got more votes than any pres any 
president in history, except for this, what Biden got. But the the the, the idea that Biden got more votes than Obama was just mind-boggling to me. I said, there's no way in the world I would ever see something like that happen. And, uh, yeah, you know, with the Dominion and everything else that Rudy and uh, uh, Powell laid out today, um, I I think we got a pretty good case. I think we got a pretty good case because uh, these people. The what? No, I'm saying Can you hear me? I agree with you. No. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, yeah, these, yeah. Because these, these, you know, the Democrats have went way too far, uh, and like, like you said, you know, we got over 400 million guns, and you're gonna get some fool like Beto talk about taking people's guns, and and see what a lot of people don't realize, and even a lot of Democrats don't realize, and I tried to warn people about this years ago, but Nancy Pelosi tried to put through HR five. And uh, if they were to get the White House and control of the Senate, they would try to shove that thing down our throat. And like you said, they're already talking about hate speech, which is a way of uh, marginalizing and start crumbling free speech around the edges. And H.R. 5 would restrict churches, would have to hire homosexuals or anybody else that has a perverse <laughs> lifestyle that churches don't want anything to do with. So no, what? I hear you. No, when you mentioned homosexuals, yeah. they're laughing. No, I hear you, man. I mean, all these demands. Oh yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, they're laying. I mean, you know, they're laying it up to destroy society as we know it. And what a lot of people don't realize is that what's going on is a lot of the is the, a lot of the communist playbook one hundred and one. You divide the races, you destroy the culture, and you you you, you dismantle religion, and then you get people segregated, just like this mask mask. Uh, we know the mask doesn't do any good. The only thing that the mask really does is get people used to being under control. And once you start trying to control people and you get them accustomed to controlling them, then you try to squeeze more until you get them to conform the way you want them to conform. And before you know it, uh, you have no freedom. You're just a subject of the state. Yeah. And this is something... This this is something that we have to fight against, and I, you know, I truly, you know, pray to God that uh, it doesn't get crazy because I don't think it's in the American people's DNA to go the the route of Australia or England or any of these countries where folks gave up their guns. Uh, it, it, you know, you know, the, the the Second Amendment was clear. We we were given the right of the Second Amendment in case our government went nuts, not to go hunting, but to protect us from. You know, you know those those intrinsic rights that God gave us, uh, that 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 were endowed from our Creator, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that ain't nothing that the government has anything to do with. That's what the founders recognized that we had from the Creator from day one. Yeah, no, and, so, and that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. I mean, I mean, you, you think about. Just, just the divide in the country, and the craziness, and you know how nobody can have civil discourse anymore. And I mean the the levels and and extremes Democrats go to. 
Oh, yeah. You know, that, that, like I said, when Biden's talking about he wants to give a pathway to citizenship to 11 million people and all this other nonsense, see, a lot of that is because they know that they lost a lot of blacks. Uh, Trump has broken the, the, the veil of the Democrats' uh, plantation. He, he's sort of knocked the fence down, as it were. And I don't care what they do, and if Biden gets in office, which I pray he never does, many of those black folks that left are not coming back. They're, 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 you, you can't win them back. If anything, if the Republican Party uh, doesn't get its act together and grow a backbone, they end up going the way of the Whigs or something, uh, we may just have a new MAGA party. Yeah, no, I mean, because yeah, I mean, things are things are way different now. I mean, I think social media, I think all these different things in society have made things more complicated. But also, I think it's made things a lot more uh, convenient. But 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 I think we've been able to expose so much where we've had so many minorities with the Democratic Party, and I think it's a, a great thing to watch. Oh, yeah. They, they can't, you know, the genie has been let out the bottle. Uh, you know, you're going to get those folks that are going to stay no matter what. But folks whose eyes are open, they will not return. And, 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 and the one thing, if Trump didn't teach anybody anything, he taught folks how to fight. He taught them how to stand up, how to, to not take it. And, and you know, the, the man is a leader. And he and whether he's in the White House or not, he's still going to be our leader. I'm just praying that he gets to stay in the White House for the next four years because now uh, so many roaches have come out of the out of the closet that he knows exactly who to pick off once we once the dust settles. Because they're you know all those well, no. swamp creatures are exposing themselves. Well, no, no, I. I hear you. I hear you. And, I mean, it's, dude, I'll tell you. I mean, look at the time, though. I mean, look at look at how this all went down. I mean, the pandemic, right during election season, during all this shit, all of the, the pandemic. I mean, like, they, they wanted to use all of this to interfere. I mean, this was their whole objective. And, and it's really... It's just it's such a slap in the face. I mean, they always have to go into to the dirty extreme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's amazing to me that they can even hold on to the people they hold on, that these people really, really think this is going to be beneficial to you, uh, you know, allowing your cities to be burned down and allowing people to dictate to you and just like, you know, he's talking about the freedom of speech. See, if we are, if the moment we, you know, the moment we say nothing about the, the speech of those uh, we oppose being silenced is the moment we're giving up our own free speech. Because yeah. after they silence them, it's only a matter of time before they silence us. Yeah, that's true. And so, and so these these people... Uh, that are applauding, trying to cut off conservative talk, and 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 they're like the folks at Fox going sideways and all this other nonsense, and and you know the the tech giants, uh, you, that stuff is going to bite them in the butt. 
Now, I, I think, Lord, you know, we got Parlor now. We got Rumble. We got some other avenues that are starting to open up. You know, it, it's essential that people understand that you want to leave your opposing views of people's uh, mouths open because, number one, you know where they're coming from. And number two, if you just shut down the speech that you want, then nobody have free speech, and we will not be what we were as a country. You know, you ruin the First Amendment, you take away the Second Amendment. All we can have is anarchy. And then, you know, if the country will implode, and that's exactly what the Soviets have been, I mean, the Russians or the communists or whoever the hell it is, been wanting for years. Yeah, so, you bring up a really good yeah, and you bring up good points, and, and I want to tell you this, and I want to mention this, that the media fails to even talk about, is that Trump got more black votes than any Republican since the 1960s. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, exposed, he's exposed the Democratic Party for what they are, like I said. You know, all they are is like white beaters. Beat the hell out of you and say, I love you, and I'm going to take care of you. And don't do anything until the next time it comes, you know, and then scare you half to death, just like this COVID mess. You know, I, I know people that that have been in their house since January. I mean, they're scared to death. You know, they're going to yeah. let this thing rule, rule their lives. And yeah. there's been nothing yeah. before that we've allowed to just shut us down to do nothing. Yeah. So no, I'm, Sam, I, it, Sam, it's insane. It really is. And Sam, tell tell everybody where they can find you, connect with you, all that good stuff. Well, right now they haven't kicked me off of uh, YouTube or, or Facebook or Twitter yet, so they can find me there on the Samuel Tolley. But now I'm also on uh, Parlor on Samuel Tolley and getting ready to set up my Rumble. So and so when used to go sideways, but yeah, I, I'm in the fight and I'm not going anywhere. And God willing, we're gonna get past this mess and and, and see 21 as a better year. Absolutely, no, absolutely, I agree, man. Always good having you with us. We'll see you back next week. All right, you take care, Roy. All right, man. Got a few minutes left in the show. Stick around if you want. Um, I want to welcome, uh, we have crime expert, Carlo Cavazzuti. Uh Carlo, how are you, man? I am good, my brother. How are you? I'm doing well, man. What's on your mind? What What are your thoughts? What, what, uh, man, what's man, the 411, man? Where to, where, where to start? Where to start? Let's, let's talk about the free speech thing here first. You know, that seemed to be a, a pretty active topic conversation tonight. Uh, people are leaving Facebook and Twitter and droves are going to parlors, they're going to MeWe. Uh, they can say anything they want. They're not getting uh, censored. Uh, you know, and Rumble's going to be the new YouTube if YouTube keeps being an asinine uh, place to put, you know, videos. Uh, you know, they, they censored the two best people in the world on there, uh, Diamond and Silk. I mean, they told yeah. it like it was, and they didn't. And YouTube didn't like it because they were black, and they didn't conform, you know. And and you know that's ridiculous. And everybody should have the ability to have free speech. And you're right. 
uh, if we don't speak up, if we don't make other moves, we're going to lose our right to free speech because we stand by and let it happen. You know, it's like what they said back in Germany. You know, they came for your neighbor, they came for your guns, they came for this, they came for that, and and by the time they came to get you, there was nobody left to help you. You know, and uh, so we got we got to speak up, man. We got to be a powerful force here, and you know, with the elections. More and more stuff is just coming out into the open. Uh, I heard some stuff today from some fairly good sources that uh, they feel this is going to go to the Senate. Now, if it goes to the Senate, they got to vote party line, and one of your other guests could bring that up. And uh, I, I think Trump has this slam dunk no matter which way you look at it. Uh, there's no way Sleepy Joe gets in. Like some of your guests said, if Sleepy Joe does get in, he's not going to be there for long. And somebody mentioned about, maybe it was you who mentioned Kamala Harris about being this uh, bastion for female rights and and so on. She is the antithesis of everything the women's rights movement uh, endorsed. I mean, she slept her way to the top. That was the thing these women's rights groups wanted to get away from because, you know, they didn't want to be trivialized as, as a woman. Uh, and here you got good old Kamala. She got to where she was by sleeping with Wee Willie Winky. And, uh, you know, now she's prospective vice president. I ain't going to call her the vice president-elect because that hasn't been proven to be a fact yet. But, uh, you know, she, she's no nobody for women's rights, stand up for women's rights, and neither is Hillary. Uh, Hillary was the biggest fraud for women's rights that ever walked to earth, and these women just fawned over her. But, you know, like several of your guests said, people are waking up. Uh, the blacks are waking up. They walk, they're walking away from the Democrat Party in droves. They are tired of the nonsense. They are tired of the free turkey at Thanksgiving or, or Christmas, and, and uh, they're kissed off for the rest of the year or until a new election comes around. Hey, you got to vote for me again. You know, you got that free turkey last year. You know, uh, the Hispanics, the Asians, they're, they're walking away in droves. And a lot don't speak up because they don't want to deal with the issues in the families. I mean, it, like you said, families are getting divided. Uh, it, it's just ridiculous. I talked to a guy on MeWe today, and he says he can't talk in his own house about his political views because his set kids, his kids told him he was indoctrinated and brainwashed. If those were my teenage kids, they'd get a boot in the ass and told to get out and go, you know, raise themselves on their own and pay their own damn bills because I wouldn't have any of that. You're not going to tell me what I can do in my own home. You're not going to tell me how many people I can have over for Thanksgiving. You're not going to tell me whether I have to wear a mask or not wear a mask. And that ass hat in Pennsylvania telling people they got to wear a mask in their house, what is he? You 
morons. That, that's all I can say. They're absolute morons. And, and they've been trying to take this country off the rails for years. And I, I think Trump is the last bastion that's going to stand up to these SOBs and, and start getting us back on track. And hopefully someone follows him that is just as tough and no nonsense as he is. Okay, I've got to catch my breath for a second. <laughs> No, I hear you, man. I mean, I it, it's just like it's a nightmare. I mean, we we're living we're li- we're like two seconds away from our country being gone forever. I mean, if Biden gets in there, we all know Camilla Harris is going to run the show, and she's more far left than Bernie. I mean, she's a witch. She's a she. I won't say the c word, but you know what I'm talking about. But no, I mean, yes, I do. You know. Uh, actually, I think George Soros will be pulling the strings because uh, they're all in. Oh yeah! Him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, he'll have more power now than he ever has before. Absolutely. And and one of you guys mentioned about Khrushchev saying that you know we're going to conquer you from within. I remember that as a kid. You weren't around then. I remember bang, him banging his shoe on the table in the U.N. and said, we will conquer you. And I'm telling you, you know, it may have taken 40, 50, 60 years, but if we don't turn this around, that's exactly what's going to happen. And and, and that's Putin. You talk about him um, getting his nose in our business. He'll have his nose uh Right where it don't belong in our country, he'll he'll be calling the shots. And in China, oh, what, what what do you make of these reports of uh, uh, Chinese troops on uh, on the Canadian American border up in Canada? No, yeah, no, I know, I know, and and we, you know, we've really got to, um, you know, these next couple of weeks, you know, I'm curious with. Everything going on with the Dominion systems, the voting, the voting thing. I mean, it's all it's all backwards. We saw Rudy Giuliani come out today, which was quite incredible. And you know, time will tell. We just have to be patient. But I expect us to know a lot more uh, early next week, and uh, you know, in the coming weeks. Right. You know, in the left, all they can do is mock when they can't prove a point. There, there were. Uh, uh, post on Facebook and Twitter. They were mocking him. They said, oh, look at the hair dye is running down his head, is running down his face. I, really? And, you know, this was coming from, uh, I believe it was Jim Acosta uh, and some of these other ass hats. Uh, you, you have nothing better to say or nothing to investigate as a journalist. Of course, we know they're not investigative journalists. Those are long gone. Uh, but to talk about hair dye running down his face, come on. That's what they do. They, they beat up on someone and hope they'll go away. Uh, but they're finding that they're beating on some tough hides, and, and that's not going to happen. No, I know. I know. And we're, we're, getting, we're getting to the bottom of this. I mean, we're getting to – 
You know, I mean, they're not – Sidney Powell, you know how great Sidney Powell is. I mean, I really think that – and we all know Trump's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Exactly, exactly. Sidney Powell is awesome. And and uh, I, I think we're going to see this house of cards falling pretty damn quick. I, I believe some arrests have already been made. Uh, none of the higher-ups, like, uh, we're all waiting for. But uh, it, give, it, give it another week or so. I think you're going to see some more things uh, coming up. Cindy Powell is just following the trail, following the money. Uh, she knows where it is, and she knows where it's going. And it, you can only have a house of cards for so long before a healthy park blows it down. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. It's very true. Um, Carlo, we, I always love having you with us. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. Cabazooniecrime.com. Uh, that's my website. You'll find all my other uh, ways of contacting me. Uh, email address, cabazooniecrime45 at gmail.com. Uh, my third book's coming out, The Long Ride to Perdition. I can't hold a candle to some of these people you had on the show today because I know what it's like uh, writing a fiction book and the research that goes into that, uh, let alone writing a book, uh, you know, that's nonfiction. Uh, great people on the show, great authors. Uh, and uh, But my third book's coming out. If you like crime fiction, uh, it's a little racy and on the hardcore side. Uh, you know, check out my website, kevinhoodycrime.com, and take a look at my books. There's a description there of uh, all three of my books. And real quick, before you go, you know, I want, I want your thoughts on this whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing. I mean, he was in the headlines earlier today. He's still making news from court. I mean, he had no choice. I mean, let, let's all face the facts that he was acting in self-defense and all these idiotic liberals that have never owned a gun in their life want to make judgment and say that he's this hateful Nazi. I mean, they don't have the first fucking clue. Excuse my French. <laughs> You're right. You're right. He's, he's an innocent man that's been way overcharged. Number one, he shouldn't have been charged with anything. He was defending himself. He had a right to have that weapon. He had a right to have that weapon where he was uh, because the other side had, had guns on them. And I'm sure they didn't have a legal right to have those weapons. Uh, and he defended himself. So I think I think he's going to skate on this. Uh, not a doubt in my mind. He's not going to serve one day of, um, uh, in jail, you know, besides what he served when he got locked up. So, uh, but I think he's going to walk. I truly do. No, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, Amen, amen. Um, really, really good to always have you on. We'll get you back again next week. Thank you, my friend. Stay with us. We've got a few minutes left. I want, I want to go to uh, Mike Peters in New York. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine, Rory. Thanks for bringing me in. Well, you know what? It's very encouraging. We need more shows like what you just did tonight and uh, bringing in more people, and we need more briefings, if you will, like what Rudy Giuliani did today. That was fantastic because uh, I'll tell you, I see it up here in New York in a different thing where you have a lot of apathy that's taken hold of a lot of even the Trump supporters because they're starving for information. And 
I get it. You're surrounded by liberals. You're surrounded by liberal media. And you're starving. You're not getting enough information to keep them steadfast, to keep them on course, to keep them supporting. To Don't let the seeds of doubt that are out there that the media is planting, don't let those seeds take hold. And re- remember that, look, look at the facts like Julia, uh, Giuliani did today. He brought it up and said, because of this, 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 X, Y, Z, look at these facts. And even confronted the media with it. And the media... You know, we all know how they're going to react to it, how they did react to it. And so they were talking about how he was wiping his face off and that his hair dye was coming off. It was that they don't want to look at the facts. They don't want to hear it. You know, so eventually when this ends up in the hands of the courts and then they're going to have no choice, they're going to have to acknowledge that all of these are facts because they, they, to them, all of these uh, depositions and everything are blank pieces of paper. They refuse to believe it. Even Biden came out today. Did you see him? That he should be, he hasn't been briefed or anything about what's going on with the virus and everything. What do you mean briefed? You didn't win. Shouldn't you be more concerned with if there's fraud here? Because the fraud was done in, for you to benefit from this. Shouldn't you be worried about that as an American? The values are really messed up in this country right now. So the more that Trump is speaking, the more Giuliani's out there, Keep our side informed, keep them on the right track, and keep them lined up so that we're there supporting and not letting the seeds of doubt. That's what I see happening out here. So I was glad to see the briefing. And thanks for everything you do also. These shows are a huge help. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you. And and I want to know everything on your mind. I mean, how, how do you feel about just how the, you know, just everything in general? I mean, do you think, you think we're going to be okay? Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I got to keep reminding myself that uh, the Supreme Court. Luckily, we have good people in it now because the clown circus. A lot of it's been taken out out of play, and uh, you know, Trump has done a lot for that to fix the courts, and that was a major move. And do I trust them completely? Still, no. I look at people like Roberts. And I, like you know, I, I, it's hard to trust them completely. But when the facts are overwhelming and it's dropped in their lap finally, with this, I don't think they're going to have a choice. I think they're going to have to rule and 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 judge it based on the evidence that's there. And the evidence is overwhelming that we were all played. So I I think it'll come out in Trump's favor. Now, as far as the reaction from the Antifa idiots and the BLM and all the rest of the fools that are out there. Um, You saw what it was like when they were confronted down in Washington, D.C. a few days ago, right? It didn't, didn't end well for Antifa. So when they, when people stand up to them, they tend to disappear quick. I mean, at one point, if you were, you were, I'm sure you were watching the feeds the police had to set up a barricade to separate. The police had to protect Antifa from the Patriots. Wow. There's a switch, huh? Here's the people that yeah. wanted to defund the police were actually hiding behind the police lines. Oh, what happened? Show us your arrogance. What, what happened to all your arrogance and everything? Uh, we put that in our pockets for now. We don't want to get beat up. Oh, okay. Well... I mean, uh, this could get messy. Either way, I, I think it will get messy. 
Um, I just I'd like to see the people that are responsible for all of this, including the BLMers. A lot of these people that were rabid BLM and rabid Antifa that have caused problems, like even the one that Giuliani brought up. See a lot of these people brought to court, charged. Yeah. Accountability. Yeah. I'd like to see accountability back on the table. Me too. Me too. Amen. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree, Mike. And and Mike, always a pleasure having you with us. Um, and uh, let, let's get you back uh, more often. Um, it's yeah. going to be an interesting. It's it's going to be an interesting ride. Where you know these next couple of weeks are going to tell us a lot. You know. You know. Well, we, we just have to be patient. We have to be calm. We have to be collective. You know, a lot of people are getting wound up over this. I mean, I understand people's frustrations, but I think God has a plan, and we all know Trump is ahead of the game. Yep, he definitely is. And I'm ready for I hope you're ready for Thanksgiving. I bought my – there's a company now making them. They're life-size stickers of three-quarters of uh, Andrew Cuomo's head. I think right below his <laughs> nose up. And what you do with the sticker is you put it in the window so it looks like he's outside the house looking in the window at you for Thanksgiving dinner so that you put them up. Yeah. So I'm ready. I got my Cuomo head stickers for the window. We'll have a good Thanksgiving. (laughs) That is funny. No, that is funny, man. And I heard you're trying to get out of New York, you told me. Yes. uh, The contract is going to... Uh, the people that are within four days, we had an offer on our house, and we said after all these years, you know what? It's time to pop smoke, man. We've I've had it. The gun laws here, and the the Richard Simmonses, and the people that are in charge, and the corruption. I you not we're outnumbered. Too many conservatives have left go- the state. Probably because going? of the gun. For me, the main thing is Second Amendment, and right now I'm looking at New Hampshire. Um, it's. I want to be so able you want to, to stay on the east. Morning. You want to stay on the east coast. You don't want to go to the west coast. No, I, I after eleven years of living in uh, San Fernando Valley, that was enough for me. I we left there after the Northridge quake. We had enough yeah. of that, and and then they started with the gun laws, and I moved back here, and it followed me. So I've got a few years of safety in New Hampshire. It's still an NFA state. I'm going to look at Brianna Thompson, and I want to be able to target shoot for my. Breakfast, you know, while I'm having my coffee in the morning, right from the table. Or slide open the door and target shoot right from the table. I, I've had it. Uh, I want the Second Amendment back. Because uh, New York State, it's not safe. For gun owners, it's not, unfortunately. So, um, time to go. Yeah, no, I I hear you. Um, no, it makes sense, man. It makes sense. And uh, Mike, we'll talk to you next week. Um, I am going to close out the show. Um, everybody, uh, it's been a fantastic show tonight. I want to thank all my guests. I want to thank all my co-hosts. I want to thank my audience and sponsors. I love you all. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. we got a lot more a big episodes planned for next week. Um, I will see you all on Monday. We're going to change up the schedule next week and do shows on Monday and Wednesday because uh, obviously Thursday will be Thanksgiving and you know, um, I want to make sure that we get it get it all in. So uh, I love you all. I will see you on Monday. Until then, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers. <laughs>